You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and its select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The body of this creature washed ashore along the East River, so what exactly is it? The cannibalistic attack that led police to shoot a man they say was gnawing at the face of someone else in the street. George believes that he has finally found proof of the infamous Loch Ness Monster with a photograph recently taken while on a... It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland, it's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Monster Talk. Welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm your host, Blake Smith. Together with skeptical investigators Dr. Karen Stolzno and Ben Radford, we help you find the facts behind creatures of legend and lore. This is our 2012 Monster Year in Review, and we welcome back Sharon Hill of the Doubtful News website. We're going to cover a lot of stories in the next hour or so, and links to all of those are in the show notes. Plus, some that we didn't have time to dig in on. So be sure and check out those notes for all that fun stuff. Now, let's get straight into the year in review with some... Monster Talk. Okay, so um, we're bringing back Sharon Hill again. Uh, by the way, Sharon, your last uh, visit with us was really popular, so... Yeah, well, I told you why. Uh, did you? Yeah. you're awesome. Was it because you were on it? Well, I would like to think so, but it was the the last one before you took like an extended break. Oh, so you think the the, the listens just started piling up? That's right. <laughs> People kept checking back. Like, was, I'll listen to the Sharon one again, see what happens. I was like, maybe it'll get better. <laughs> maybe anything right. will happen. Well, it's you know, did I miss anything? Was there any monster news in twenty third or twenty twelve, whatever year it was? It was a pretty good monster year. Yeah, yeah. it was really. It yeah. was a stinky ghost year. You're right. You're right. I mean, uh, with the ghost hunters losing one of their key members, and there were there were really not that many great ghost stories, but there were, you know, I think it was definitely uh, a good monster year. Good, depending pre- on how you look at it. It was a pretty thin year for UFOlogies, I recall. I seem to recall reading some story about how people were grousing that uh, that UFO reports have been down. So maybe maybe this really was the year of the of uh, of cryptozoology. Mm-hmm. Maybe, well, especially sea monsters. Those things come in waves. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Somebody mute him. <laughs> so, is this year any bigger than last year, or 
the same I'm oh, as per stories? Um, well, I think definitely the Bigfoot issue is huge this year. Mm-hmm. I, there's no doubt about that. Uh, and, and that's propelled by the media. I've never seen so many Bigfoot stories. And when you say there's no doubt about that. No. <laughs> I don't doubt that at all. You don't now, doubt that it was a big year. Right, right, right. Yeah. Highly doubtful. That's fine. So, I've never, yeah, I've never seen so much speculation and interest in in that, and it's I, I got really tired of it fast. Well, okay, I don't understand. Okay, I want to kind of go through the year chronologically, mm-hmm. but but what is going on? It's like every week uh, in this last month of the year, or last two months or so, there's been some new Bigfoot story, and then they fade out, and then another Bigfoot story, and it fades out. So and, why is this? Yeah, is this just people? Is this uh, is this internet link whoring? Is there is there really like uh, none of these stories seem to be playing at all? The only one that really seems to, like a real story is the Sykes study of DNA. Everything else seems like it, I have a rumor. I have a rumor, you know, <laughs> and then nothing happens. It does seem to be a lot of one-upmanship trying to go on here. Uh, the, the, to me, and I'm just an observer to, to these uh, various researchers that are online, they like attention. And they want to have something to, to grab the public's attention, and whether they make it up or not. So you have lots of bloggers who have ads all over their sites who want those hits. And that may be a real cynical way of looking at it, but I, it's absolutely what's happening um, the Bigfoot bloggers load their sites with links or with, with ads and, and they want that attention. They want those hits. So they will actually just repeat the same stories over and over again in a different way. They will put rumors on there, complete speculation, strange uh, coincidences that, that they associate with Bigfoot. It's just it's uh, it's been difficult to look at. The rumors bug me because they keep being unattributed. Or right. you know, second and third hand, uh, that sort of thing. Well, Sharon, l- let me ask you this: I mean, do you, do you, given that there's all this, all this, you know, speculation and rumors and stuff going on, and and as you noted, it's probably largely for the hits. Is the, is it just sort of the short sightedness in that? Uh, the Bigfoot community just doesn't care. I mean, does uh, you know one one way to look at it is that is that they they just don't, they just don't give a shit and you know they're just going for the the short term the other angle to look at is that well you know that all this just does nothing but make the bigfooters look bad and for as much as they complain about the skeptics making them look bad uh they do far more internal damage than than we've ever done um i'll look at it more optimistically i think they're they're too involved in it hmm. i think that they are so engrossed in this idea that it's out there for them to find they are blind to any other possible interpretation. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that uh, Melba Ketchum thinks she has something important. And I, I believe that uh, some of these Bigfoot hunters think that they've had encounters, you know, and that, that, that the creatures out there is, the, is one howling back at them in the woods and, and um, making noises back at them. They really believe that. I, I guess that's optimistic, but I don't think they're fooling. I think they're just fooling themselves. Right, but but if they really believe it, then wouldn't they recognize that they're only harming their own credibility, even assuming they completely believe it, uh, by, by doing this stuff? I mean, you would think that they would recognize, hey, you know, this is just making us look stupid because we're just you know, recycling the, ru- the rumor of the minute. 
and, and not looking at the long term. I mean, even if they totally believe well, it. Wait, if they were really concerned about credibility, would they be involved in Bigfoot research? Because I know <laughs> from, from even as a skeptical person who's interested in the topic, uh, just even mentioning it gets gets you dismissed by a lot of people, no matter what your position on it is. It's like right. so. I don't think they're that self-effacing anyway. You know, another thing is they, they are not uh, in any way a monolithic community. They're as yeah. ragtag and diverse a group as any of the skeptical community is, I suppose. And they do snipe oh, at was. each other a oh, lot. Oh, boy, do they. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They are also self-devouring. <laughs> it may be that our nature is to form tribes and to fight other tribes. Mm-hmm. So uh, it may be the reason that bothers me so much is I don't want to be in a tribe. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I kind of like the idea of being in a, in a group, uh, but, uh, you know. With Bigfoot. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I feel an affinity to Bigfooters because I spent so much of my youth interested in believing in the topic. And so when I just came to the conclusion that there wasn't sufficient evidence, um, I didn't stop being interested in the topic. I still find it very interesting. And, you know, I still go back to the old books. In fact, I think this year, 2012, was the year I did the most nostalgic thing ever and got as many old 1970s uh, paranormal documentaries as I could track down uh, and started going back through them just to see, um, you know, what's changed in since the 70s. And the amazing thing to me was I did a lot of research in watching uh, old ancient astronaut movies and it's exactly the same material as they're using in the modern documentaries, except it looks better in the new ones. I mean, it is exactly <laughs> the same. The same skulls, the same fake airplanes, the same little idols, the same sculptures, drawings, sites. Everything's wow. the same. And not much has changed in Bigfoot either, except for this potential DNA uh, research. No, and, and with all the technology we have and more people are able to stay out in the woods or, or get farther in the woods and... We still have nothing. That's that's my major gripe. Well, I think we're just waiting for uh, Jeff Meldrum's uh, uh, balloon uh, research to be funded, right? His blimp, yes, that's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let, let's talk about Bigfoot 2012. So, I, I look, Sharon, you put together this wonderful list. Can we put this in the show notes? Is that okay? Uh, sure. I was going to do a blog post on it, but that's all right. Well, okay. Well, I, I, I <laughs> imagine your blog post would be like the uh, the illuminated version of this, right? That's fine. Uh, yeah. And when I say illuminated, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, like the uh, ancient manuscripts with pictures, not our Illuminati masters who fund this podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much. I just want to clear that up. So I see the first thing you put on here was uh, the Ketchum Project. Um, right. So that, and that being because that is continuing uh, since 2008. Yes, it's got a long and sordid history. It's got people coming and going. It's got secrets. It's got intrigue. It's got uh, it's got everything. It's a soap no opera. Shots. <laughs> glamour shots. It does. <laughs> <laughs> everything but evidence. Oddly enough. Yeah, it's. Uh, I spent weeks trying to figure out the chronology of all of this, and the worst part was probably trying to like. We talked about get sources for all these comments, rumors here or, or or there about what was going on with the project, how the samples were produced or who, who was giving samples to her and what she was doing with them, that um, 
that's what it took so long to sort through all that. So, you know, we're at this point now. I think that, well, she did just do an interview uh, on Coast to Coast AM. I thought was really fascinating because it was, I was actually listening to her tell the story at that point, which was great because then I don't have to worry that it was rumor or speculation. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was it was really interesting because she admitted that things went terribly wrong for her and it did not go the way that she wanted to things went awry and she she actually said she wouldn't do it again wrong in terms of what cuz not not everybody heard the just the 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 evidence was, or just the whole story or what what went wrong she did not expect the reaction that she got um, she did not anticipate, so she says she didn't anticipate that the results would turn out the way they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she she was very taken aback by the uh, nastiness she received by no, not, not only the people who didn't believe what she said, but also the people in the Bigfoot community that had been her supporters and then felt, I guess she felt like they turned on her. And she, I think she saw that there was a lot of... Um, uh, backbiting going on, you know, they they were trying this one-upmanship type thing. Who's going to be the first one to to get the big scoop on Bigfoot? Mm-hmm. And she she really feels like she has something to show. And I none of us know what she has right now, and I don't know when so we why will. Why did they turn on her? In her mind, I'm not sure she really explained that. But but one thing I found that was interesting is when she got into this Bigfoot sampling, she says that she didn't know anything about the community at all, which is probably true. And she ended up dealing with some people that weren't, she calls, weren't ethical. That's what she says. They weren't ethical. So I don't know the backstory of what they did to her, but there was some corporations that were founded. They were supposed to have business deals together and things fell through and there was lawyers involved and there's some animosity. So it I'm I'm not sure we'll know what happens unless she writes some sort of book about it. And so she's not naming it. names at all. She doesn't have to. I mean, if you look, you would find <laughs> who those people are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she didn't name names on the last interview that she did. And then what what I think also happened is the psych study was progressing. That started uh, in the summer. In, in early summer, and then that was supposed to end at the end of this year, and then the, the, the paper should be coming out in 2013, I think that there was this rush to come out with this DNA evidence, to again, to scoop each other. Uh, they're nervous about getting it out first. At the same time, finding Bigfoot people were even getting into the DNA testing uh, on their show. So th- there seemed to be this mad rush at the end of the year to be the first one to announce DNA results. Although, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Sykes Oxford DNA project is totally separate from from anything the Catchman is doing, right? I mean, they're they're using two totally different databases and everything correct. else like that. So, yep. Well, right. they're using the same backend database, but they're using different samples, right? So, there may even be split samples. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, well, the other thing is, Ketchum already had her samples, didn't she? She didn't like put an open call out for. She the, did put an open call. Did out. she? Okay, that's oh. interesting. Cool. I wonder what uh, she on, got. On, on Coast to Coast AM, she says that they, when she first appeared on that show, she put out an open call, and her and uh, David Polites were on that show. And then after that, they did read a number of additional samples. Hmm. But see, Bigfoot listens to NPR, so sure, that's the wrong <laughs> audience. And um, no, that's. <laughs> That's fascinating to me. I, I, I really am quite interested to see what comes out of this psych study. And, and it's interesting that a couple of the other bigger stories sort of intertwined into that one. 
uh, they all sort of started merging together. Uh, the uh, Sierra Kills episode that was that probably the most dramatic story of the year, where with the least dramatic ending. <laughs> I don't think it's over yet. I think there's still stuff that's going to come out about that where um uh can you, can you give us a background on that right bear hunter and his buddy were on the back roads in california national park and pretty remote area and then as they tell it something was coming towards them on two legs sort of like a grayish odd color and hunter number one shot it and it jumped into the into the bush and they ran after it and then they came across two smaller creatures presumably child creatures of the same thing and uh at one point they felt slightly threatened and they shot one of the small ones and the small the same hunter and and it died in his arms and he describes it as sort of a cross between a a bear and a gorilla or or something like that he describes the face and and the the fur and everything and then they hightailed it out of there they came back as they say two weeks ago this is two weeks later this, this was disputed and couldn't find the bodies there was snow on the ground and they found a piece of flesh with hair on it and they took that and that became what's known as the bigfoot steak and that supposedly was was put into Ketchum's study, but they also studied it, uh, uh, tested it independently, and recently that result of the independent test came back that it was bare. Uh, meanwhile, the Ketchum results suggest, she has sort of suggested that she believed the story and that that sample was part of her Bigfoot database. So that's not clear hmm. what happened at all. But now he's changing his story. He was afraid he's going to get into trouble because he may have shot a human or something close to a human, and it, it just got really nuts. A, a Bigfoot human bear thing. Well, yeah, but he, didn't he also come back and say that the results were something like 20-something percent bear and then 70 percent unknown? Uh, I, kn- I thought that it had his DNA in it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the whole – anytime the story – ever since we've talked uh, – did our second interview with uh, Todd Disotel – that whole unknown thing seems really suspicious now whenever I hear it. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's unknown doesn't mean mystery creature. Apparently unknown means crap. Yeah. <laughs> so. And then – I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, you think something more is going to come of this story you were saying? I don't think the truth has come out at all. I don't know what the truth is because it's so muddled at this point. We may never know what it is. Uh, I think we just have to wait to see what – what Ketchum's data says if we can read it because it might be in Russian <laughs> when it comes out, which is another uh, thread that's woven through this story is the Russian contingent that uh, uh, they study the Yeti over there. They are very open to the idea that it's real, that he lives in caves, that he's all over the villages and they try to bring tourists over and it's a very different world over there. <laughs> they love their Yeti though. And, uh, Apparently they they said to uh, Melba, yeah, sure, welcome welcome to Russia. We'll we'll publish the paper over here. Yeah, well, why don't you tell us about that? Because that that's a good lead into the the Russian claims about the the Yeti hair. Where earlier this year they said that they were, was, I think, proof positive or ninety nine percent or something, and that was the one where Jeff Meldrum was there, and it turned into this big fiasco. Can you can you recap that for us? That was a good story. I saw Jeff speak when he got back at at a Bigfoot convention, and he gave the story that he went over to Russia. They invited uh, some him as as a premier scientist over there. 
and um, a couple of other Bigfoot researchers from this, the U.S. and uh, a, a woman from Michigan who claims that they were living in her backyard. And she gets woven into the Ketchum story later on, and, and I'll come back to that. But they all went over there to this this uh, um, conference, and they were under the impression there was going to be some sort of scientific interest in it. It turns out there really wasn't. It was more like a media event. And they ended up going to a cave that was supposedly housed a, a, a Yeti. He lived there. And as soon as they walked in the cave, oh, look, hair. Oh, look, a footprint. Oh, never mind. It's just one foot, you know, a couple times. It's a it's footprint. A one-footed Yeti. Yeah. <laughs> and a nest they found in the corner. And... Hmm. This scientist, Igor Burtsev, uh, Jeff described him as jumping in the nest uh, and rolling around <laughs> it and say, look, it's a, it's a Yeti nest. And you could see the way Jeff was talking about it. He was mortified that if this actually was a piece of evidence, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It must have been pretty nest. big. <laughs> he was furious. Uh, he was furious at how this turned out, and he came back, and I really don't think that he had any uh, intention of believing anything that they said for that, for after that point. He, was, he sounded really disgusted. Um, that same woman that went over there uh, with the, the American contingent that Jeff ran into while he was there uh, was the woman in Michigan who says that she was feeding the Bigfoot in her backyard, uh, and they particularly liked blueberry bagels. And apparently one of these blueberry bagels may have had saliva on it, and that was part of sample taking put, put in the Ketchum study. Later on, Ketchum ended up hiring this woman, Robin Lynn Peffer, to be her spokesperson. And she just really didn't do a good job at it. She couldn't read the scientific paper. She couldn't talk in, in, in a way that was suitable for public relations she was extremely biased and, and what she was talking about, the forest people in her backyard. And so it was just, it was weird. Was she on the payroll of Big Bagel? Yeah. I don't know. But when I first read that story, I'm thinking there's people, you know, coming into her backyard, her kids, friends, you know, eating the bagels. There's <laughs> yeah, something else so going on there. Brought to you by Einstein Brothers Bagels, the favorite of Bigfoot everywhere. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> it's weird. It's, it's all molded together, and you know you have you have the finding Bigfoot people like Matt Moneymaker uh, saying that he doesn't trust Ketchum, and this is all a bunch of hooey that's going on, and nobody's uh, nobody's got the right answer but him. Apparently, well, he is the final arbiter of Bigfoot facts, yes. and and Bobo is the uh, human Bigfoot analog. So this all makes sense. Yeah. Did you want to say Boba Fett? But I almost said Bobo Faye is what I almost said. So, <laughs> what's his actual last name? Is it Faye? I thought it was Boba Fett. I don't know. It's not Boba Fett. I think it's Faye. You're right. I think it is Faye. So I I decided to just call him Bobo instead. So I went Boba Fett like that. But no, I did not mean. <laughs> but I called sickles. you on it. All right, you excellent. did. You did. You did. <laughs> Moving on. I would have edited it out. It would all have been gone. And nobody would have known. It would have been good. Um. So I guess the big story then is that uh, we're undoubtedly going to find the answer about Bigfoot because Spike TV is offering $10 million bounty for whoever brings one in dead or alive, right? No, it doesn't work like that. Um, what? <laughs> Spike TV had already picked some Bigfoot researchers and beforehand for this series. They had recruited some people. They're not just offering an open reward for $10 million. <laughs> huh? 
No. Um, and there, as far as I know, they, they this is for a series. They had already interviewed some some people to you know for this unscripted, I don't know, series, reality type series, and they already had their people in line, and those those teams were supposed to compete to get this prize money for definitive proof of Bigfoot, whatever that would be. And then they had, uh, they would have to make a judgment call about whether that evidence was good enough for $10 million. I can't see what evidence would be good enough for $10 million except for the actual body itself. Yeah, that's what I'd be looking for. But the good news with this is that we've got someone on our side who's working with them. Todd. Mm. Yeah, Todd he's, he's, their, so he's he, going to be their consultant. So hopefully he's going to keep them on the right track. Yes, I'm confident he will. <laughs> well, unless they just steamroll him, because sometimes they do that. doesn't Doesn't matter how how good your intentions are. Doesn't matter how much science you try to inject. They just they'll edit you out. So we'll, we'll, oh, we'll see. At least well, I, we've right. got a voice there. I, I, That's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, they might they might edit the crap out of his his screen time, but I don't think they can mess with his DNA results. So mm-hmm. yeah, maybe That's, not. <laughs> So, so um, I guess we've only got like a day left in the year, and by the time this comes out, that won't even be true. So, likelihood that Bigfoot will be definitively proven in 2012? No. Hmm. What about 2013? How's it looking? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I bet if we were sitting here in 2011, we would have said the same thing. You know that it, you know, but it, something could happen. She's next so year. cynical. I am, but so many people sat through 2012 thinking it's right around the corner. It's right around the corner. This is going to be the year, and nothing happened. Or it was going to end. Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to Sykes' results as well. I, I, I want to see what they what they have to show for it. I really. When are those results becoming available? Oh, it's early next year. Okay. And. Well, sure. uh, I hopefully I'm actually hoping we can get him on the show once he's published because I, I apparently he's keeping this very um close to pocket. Is that the right way to say it? I mean, he's not he's saying not a lot. Uh, that's, and that's the way a scientist should work. <laughs> well, uh, he's not going to do a press release about what he thinks might be happening. I don't understand. How about leaking it on Facebook? No. Excellent. <laughs> well, Sharon, what what do you think is going to happen with the, the Ketchum thing? I mean, as you said, you you know, it could be anything from nothing to results published in Russian. You've been following this whole story closer than most people have. What's what's your Sadly. general sense of, of of what will what will happen with it? My general sense is that I shall not predict a darn thing because I cannot imagine the next strange twist that things will take. <laughs> I, just, I just can't. I you predict never... someone's going to come out with an outrageous story about Bigfoot, but have no evidence to back it up. That's Every a week. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 but you did mention here the continued popularity of the TV show Finding Bigfoot. Unfortunately, yes. How has science explained that? <laughs> um. I have heard that half the audience watches it just to, for a good laugh. Just like Ghost Hunters. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, you say that. I've heard a lot of people laughing at the Ghost Hunters, but I know people who think that show is scientific. True. And, and I think, okay, yeah. Ghost Adventures then. Done, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one thinks that's real. No. Well, no, 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 no. I wouldn't go that far. I don't think anyone thinks it's scientific, though. Scientific they love role. it, though. <laughs> I, did I tell you my favorite joke is uh, uh, Joel McHale calls uh, Zach Baggins Scooby Douche. 
Yeah, I've heard that. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Matthew's been <laughs> using that one for a while. So that, that's it. been that's been doing the rounds. Yeah, that's good. It's very really Scooby douche. That's the first time I've heard it. That's hilarious. Yeah. All right. It's been around a while. <laughs> I'll probably cut that out too. Now. Y'all need to stop saying things I'm going to have to cut out. <laughs> I am too lazy to edit. edit. All right. So let's move on to what was probably one of the biggest stories of 2012, bar none, which was the incredible mammoth video, mm-hmm. uh, the Siberian mammoth. Um, actually, we covered that on the show. You did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was. Um, you that not was only makeup. covered it, but you uncovered it as well. Yeah, yeah, we did a pretty good job on that. <laughs> we did all right on that one. <laughs> I like that because it was fine because we were timely and. Uh, and after doing a ridiculous amount of video work, I was able to precisely show the frames in which that uh, was inserted. And and we got on video experts to show that it was digitally inserted and it was not a bear with a fish in its mouth. That was a really fun case uh, where so many skeptics went with uh, Occam's razor and then drew, I guess, the wrong conclusions, which is really funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, not like, haha, skeptic. I'm a skeptic too. I'm just saying it's it's a tra- it's a trap you can set for yourself and fall into. And now that's just completely died down. But the strange thing is that if you go to the sun, the video's still there. Is it? I would. And the <laughs> the story is still up, Bastard. unchanged. Unchanged. Oh, they'll, they'll do anything. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That was a fun story, and actually, that came out the same time as the uh, as another fun video did oh that's right yeah it was the same time that we had a, a monster talk listener uh give us some additional info on that right the icelandic worm what's that how do you pronounce the real oh, i know you were gonna <laughs> say that i shouldn't have said icelandic anything worm. you've been practicing come on uh <laughs> hang on i gotta i gotta i gotta find the, uh, the correct pronunciation is Lager Flotsermurin. Bless you. Yay. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I know I did that wrong because I can't do the Icelandic thing with the FLJ. I've been told, yeah, it's going to sound stupid when you say it, but good enough. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. Good Our listeners us. won't know. It's the Lager Flot worm. Oh, I like That's that. Yeah. The Lager worm. So what's the recap on that one? Well, um, there's this glacial river in Iceland, and so it was it was very icy, and it's flowing out of the glacier, and this was in February, or maybe end of January, when it was actually taken, and it really looks like something going through the water with a rather large snake-like head, and then undulating behind it through the icy water, and immediately when you... St- see snake in icy water uh, you know things clash it just doesn't work like that snakes don't go in icy water they can't so this thing very snake-like was was filmed and uh, we had this cool video of something looking really weird through the water and um looks like an ice worm and there was a legend about the worm in the lake so that's what the um filmmaker attributed to that it was this ice worm he had evidence of this ice worm and um, it really wasn't an, a worm. Actually, a small clarification on that. Uh, didn't he actually just submit the video in the, the, the news agency? Oh, did they? Yeah, I think they attributed it. Isn't that right, Ben? I mean, yeah, as I recall, because I wrote something on that for Discovery News. And as I recall, what had happened was that he had sent it in 
uh, just sort of as this weird thing. And it wasn't clear whether he he himself I know that he himself didn't call it the the ice worm. <laughs> I'm oh. not even trying to pronounce it. Uh, but he, he just sent it in as something weird. And, and my, my recollection is that it was pr- promptly mislabeled either intentionally or, or accidentally, certainly for sensationalism, uh, as, as the, as the Icelandic river monster. And then it, and then it went out from there. But there was a local legend about that creature or a creature like that. There was yes. in the lake. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it turns out. Bias. <laughs> it was just it was a really cool video mm-hmm. yeah no it looked cool it was yeah. definitely interesting it, it just it, i think what um our, one of our listeners pointed out was it's not actually making any movement like a uh, uh, forward or backward movement in right. the water. It's, it's it's actually stationary but the way the, the river's moving is what seems like it's moving it's stationary but writhing like the water is actually driving it so mm-hmm. and it and it turned out to be uh, a net of some sort, right? Yeah, and, and the, the other yeah. thing is, a lot of people attributed it to a hoax, and that's not necessarily a hoax. A guy saw something weird in the river. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean he hoaxed it. He just took the video. So I, I think a hoax is kind of like a lie. It implies intent, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, misidentification. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Then in fact, I'm nice glad you. I was going to say, I'm glad you brought up the blade because I think that that's that was one of the important sort of lessons that I took from from the the Icelandic river monster was exactly as we were just saying is that it's you know the the assumption oftentimes is immediately oh it's fake, but that doesn't really answer the question. <laughs> I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. fake in that it's not real, uh, but there's definitely the a valid question of intent to deceive. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly in that case, uh, it's pretty clear that the guy that took the video didn't intend to deceive anybody. Uh, and you know, the people at the TV station, again, did they, were they intending to, I mean, who knows? It could be, it was sent to some, you know, some lackey producer who thought that's what it was. And it could have been a simple, you know, an honest mistake. Um, but it's, uh, it, it's, I think it's always important to, to look at, you know, the, the intent to deceive and not, not be too quick to label something a hoax. Yeah, I think that the the recent Denver UFO uh, slash uh, insects flying <laughs> mm-hmm. video, I think that's a really good uh, example where uh, the media is getting a lot of attention, and it's definitely not in their best business interest to acknowledge that there's a clear and obvious explanation besides UFOs are flying in and out of Denver. Yeah, right. they've been dragging that one out for a while. But it's crazy. I think the guy who submitted the film as well was a little bit cagey. Uh, and I think there's a, a bit more to that story. Could be. Could Has be. he now been identified? No, no, still he, he hasn't come forward. Huh. Anonymous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the best You've kind. always got to question that, though. You do. You really should. I mean, I, I'm sure there are really valid reasons why you'd want to remain anonymous. But, like, people who anonymously submit Bigfoot videos, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a red flag. But yeah, yeah, all of the UFOs have disappeared now, and they'll come back next spring. Of course they will. <laughs> uh, but there'll be new ones, though. The old ones will be dead because their life cycles are just not. Anyway. <laughs> so um, yeah, my favorite category of monster really is uh, the the real monsters that are washing up on the shores of rivers and beaches around the country. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The last time I was on, I re- I recall Karen asked if there was any good 
uh, carcasses, you know, that had washed up. But it was early in the year. And I said, well, we have to wait till the summer. Sure enough, <laughs> in July. <laughs> Ching! Uh, well, there was one earlier in uh, in California that washed up, and that was a great one because when that washed up, it looked so plastic and fake. I thought for sure it was a hoax. But, uh, you know, a friend of Monster Talk, Darren Nash, looked at it and said, it's an opossum. And mm. sure enough, it was. And that was that was given a fancy name, the San Diego Demonoid. <laughs> and, you know, so that got some, some play in the media, but not as much as the East River Monster, which washed up in um, uh, New York City off, off the East River in the summer. And it was this bloating, uh, bald uh, oh, I remember that, yeah. carcass. And it looked like if you poked it, it was going to explode. And I've heard people <laughs> tell me, don't ever do that because they do explode. And it's it's the it's, worst smell yeah. you've ever experienced. Yes. <laughs> this actually happened, yeah. so don't poke it with a stick. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> I wish, you know, of course, the, the real key is when you're going to take a picture of a monster that you find on the shore, always put something that has a, a, a good frame size for, you know, reference. You throw a dollar down, throw a quarter down, put something next to it so you can tell how big it is. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Stephen Asma. Each week on Chinwag, we dig into the weird topics you wonder about, that you care about. The stuff none of us are totally sure of, like the Bermuda Triangle, Mothman, consciousness, philosophy, UFOs, ghosts, or say Bigfoot. So who's to say that there's not alien species that are Sasquatch? Like I've seen a ghost, and I would hear something walking and breathing. Maybe every path is right. I will accept as a premise that every path is right. That is a face on Mars. Eyes, nose. It kind of looked like Wilson the volleyball. Some people enjoy the waves or whatever uh, crashing, and I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audiobook. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand yeah. and probably won't understand. That's our yeah. whole show. <laughs> so join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon. Right, and I also learned that you should always try to get the teeth and the feet. Mm -hmm. Those are also indicative. Yeah. Because it seemed that the teeth especially are, are very unique to different families of animals. So it, it becomes rather easy to, to pick them up. Because at that point, the East River mon monster, the woman who had taken the pictures, did a couple angles. And, but the pictures weren't quite so great. Uh, sh you couldn't really see too much inside the mouth. But um, she actually did come onto my website and talk to me a bit about it. And said it was just a really weird thing she took pictures of, and then they, it just went went all over the media as something really bizarre and cool. But uh, they were able to figure out it was a raccoon. That's fun. Hmm. Those darn raccoons. Yep. Nice to get an answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, of course, I mean, you have to kind of blame evolution a little bit. All these mammals, when you get all their fur off, they look kind of alike. Mm. 
and unusual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that the rotting, you know, does make them look unusual. But I mean, they got four legs, a head, a tail, teeth. You know, I mean, but it is. If you're not trained and you don't know the size, it, it, they do look weird. But uh, it, I mean, like, we're not used to seeing things like right. that. <laughs> so, but I mean, misidentification, I think, accounts for a lot of monster sightings because you see an unusual animal and you don't know what it is. All the things we talk about on this show. It's like if you look at 2012, you can just see all the the key points, you know, pulled together here for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, one last thing on the unidentified carcasses. I mean, Darren Nash also identified the Montauk monster, which was also a raccoon. To this day, people still talk about the Montauk monster. Do they talk about it being a raccoon? Not usually. They still talk about the legend of it being some sort of mutant animal that washed up from Plum Island. You know, it was a mutant. Gen- it was genetic a experiments and exactly. evil, the- evil government uh, goings on. So this was also the year of mermaids. That's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, it really was. They, they really got popular this year. Made and a comeback. <laughs> not the little mermaid kind. The creepy uh, real pseudo-documentary kind. kind. Yeah. Yeah, so, the ones that might bite your face off. They they were kind of nasty, too. And people got afraid of them because for some reason they thought that that was real. Yeah, bless their <laughs> hearts. Uh, I it, it actually, I think, you know, a lot of the listeners to the show were kind of, or not a lot, a few of the listeners to the show complained that we were so hard on that documentary. <laughs> not documentary. <laughs> uh, re- rephrase that. Yeah, right. Yeah. That show, the animal planet, uh, mermaids, the body found show. Um, I, I just, uh, yeah, it would have been a great horror film. Um, and it was maybe superior to a lot of the, uh, you know, squid octopus versus mecha shark kind of things yeah. that they have on the sci-fi channel. I, I may have just invented a new show. Um, <laughs> Someone just picked it up and renewed it. But um, what really, the, it wasn't just the fact that it was a fake thing about mermaids. It was also the fact that they, to, to sort of shore up the show's authenticity, they pulled from the aquatic ape theory, excuse me, hypothesis, uh, which is a, a thoroughly discredited hypothesis. And then they gave it screen time. And for a lot of people, something being mentioned on a documentary is equal to it being a true fact. Yeah, uh, they really – they scienced it up a lot. And people yeah. don't know. Right. And all the actors That's on the right. show were pretending to be scientists. It was supposed to seem true. You know, mm-hmm. the, the format was, you know, documentary, right? And um, and there again, there was – I liked the style of it. I just didn't like the, you know – I feel a little bit, and I feel, I don't want to complain. <laughs> How do you feel, Blake? Tell us. <laughs> it bugs me that they could have done something much better and that they gave strength to something that should die, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the aquatic ape hypothesis, I'm going to, whatever, it, it should go away because it's not real. And, and the problem is that every crappy idea that anybody can get out of their mouth uh, can live on the internet forever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if you put something on a television show, it lives longer, you know, and maybe us talking about it's the worst thing we can do. <laughs> In a way, it is. it up again. <laughs> that backfire effect. So I'm going to move on. <laughs> 
But let's get to a monster that is real and is terrifying zombies. <laughs> yeah, the zombie apocalypse. That was a, that was a uh, buzzword in the um, summer or early part of the, the summer where people got really scared that there actually were uh, disturbed people running around eating other people. And I don't know if it was just uh, the media picking up on the one story and then finding other stories that were similar, which is often what happens, or if there really was this strange grouping of the same type of stories altogether at once, where you had these incidents where people were, were attacking other people in this way. I don't know. Yeah, it seemed to me like it was the first story happened and then other reporters were like, wow, that story has legs. Can we find any more stories like that where people are biting each other? Yeah, just fabricating epidemic. They do it all the time. Yeah, so so this this whole – the main story, the one that came out of Florida, it opened up with this allegation that a guy who was on some kind of drug called bath salts – had gone out of his mind on this drug and was attacking another guy. And then they ultimately had to shoot him, but he had chewed the guy's face off. Mm. Right. From the very get go, that story was odd. And and not just Mm -hmm. the part about him eating another guy's face. The, the, the story as it was released was all about this bath salts drug. It was a very odd story Mm -hmm. because I'd never heard of bath salts before. And all of a sudden, it became like this hot topic tied to this attack. So <clears throat> yeah, I think a lot of people thought they were real bath salts. Just well, that's true. Ones. That's the other thing is because I mean, are we going to have pure one zombies attacking us? I was really worried, but uh, <laughs> I was like, I, I took all my Inya records out of the house just to be safe. And uh, good idea. <laughs> so no, I, I just thought it was odd because it reminded me a lot of those stories from the seventies and eighties about PCP. Uh, oh, right. causing yeah. crazy crimes. And it's like, does PCP really cause crazy crimes? Or is that like cop folklore, right? Uh, you know. Well, w- one of the things that's, that tended to get lost in the in the whole hubbub was that, as it turned out, uh, he, he hadn't used bath, bath exactly. salts. Mm-hmm. It was, exactly. Uh, he, he was high on marijuana, um, right. not bath salts. So, you know, he, so people were just repeating, going on the story, oh, my God, you know, is <laughs> – are kids today having bath salts or are they going to be, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to have this zombie apocalypse. And then, and then finally the, the toxicology tests come back a couple weeks later and they're like, uh, no, there's, there's nothing to this. Now, I, I just no one remembers say, that. Well, right, right. Well, I, you know, right, exactly. You have to do some follow up. So yeah. just for the record, I just want to say that, you know, this guy, the attacker and the victim, you know, they were both people. They were both humans. They had families, uh, you know, um, and it's a tragedy. Mm-hmm. It's also the worst case of the munchies I've ever heard of. <laughs> yeah. So then the Center for Disease Control had to come back and say, really, there aren't zombies. Oh, and there aren't mermaids either. They, they had to, yeah, yeah, Noah had to tell <laughs> to people clarify. that. Party yeah. Yeah. So this is the year the government makes us all calm. They should just have trucks driving around saying, there's no need to panic. Stay in your homes. <laughs> to cover up, you know that. <laughs> I, I will throw out that from the fictional world, the season three of The Walking Dead has been almost like a heartfelt apology for season two. I feel great about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, what else happened in 2012? Um, oh, 
they were going to go uh, to Africa using a Kickstarter to look for Makila Mbembe. Yeah, that was a great story. <laughs> How did that turn out? <laughs> they found it, right? I thought I read about that. They turned around and came home. Oh. Did they make it all the way to Africa? I believe they did. And uh, so this this group of kids, and I'm just, I'm imagining the stereotype. These, these clean-cut, church-going kids, you know, <laughs> get to a... Uh, I get their idea. They're going to go look for giant spiders in Mokele Mbembe, and they're going to come back. They're going to film it, and they're going to be famous. They're going to make a documentary, and everything is going to be really cool. And so, hey, let's go on Kickstarter. And they got twenty nine thousand dollars. Wow, for their project, and which was over, I think, what they needed. Uh, well, it turns out they get the small group of them get to the Congo. Meanwhile, the rest of us standing here saying, "Don't go. It's dangerous." <laughs> You, don't you know what goes on over there? That's not safe. Um, they went and they apparently got a pile of equipment and they had to take food with them. They had to get guides and everything. By the time they got ready to go from the story that I heard, because I did follow up on it, some of their equipment may have been stolen. They didn't have enough money in their budget to go for the three months that they wanted to. There were no scientists on the project. Uh, so I don't know how they were going to identify new species. Um, and they, they weren't experienced in, in, in any of this uh, really dangerous land and this dangerous adventure they were, they were going on. And they turned around and came home. The Bad end. Story. <laughs> the website went down, and I don't know where the money went. I think according to mm. Kickstarter rules, you're supposed to return it. Ouch. Well, if they went to Africa, I mean, it's, surely that's worth something. Mm. Well, I, I was going to say that I'm glad that you did a follow-up on that, because you know, far too often in these cryptozoology cases, you know, the, the, the initial headline makes the news, and oh my god, blah, blah, blah. And you know the rejoinder and the outcome is sort of lost in the lost and either either doesn't get reported period or gets lost in the shuffle. So I was pleased to see that you did a follow up on doubtful news. Yeah, I was just sitting around one day thinking, whatever happened to those kids? <laughs> Are they <So> dead? <laughs> Are they Mokele Membe burgers? I was What's concerned. I was concerned that they would be dead or lost in the in the jungle, and um, so I tried to look some stuff up and, and found that revealing piece by the one person that was told, oh, yeah, we don't have room for you. So he was sent back, and then it turns out that they all ended up, you know, it was a failure. It didn't work out. They found Makili Mbembe. They disproved evolution, and now they're on the lecture circuit. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh. <sighs> <laughs> I worry. <laughs> <laughs> I said I actually worried about those kids. They no, just no, I did no for real. Yeah, that's a very dangerous, crazy objects. thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything constructive to say to them except no. uh, I hope they learned something. I hope so too. I'm sure they do. Well, I, I don't know. I'll just add that I, I looked into their their expedition and I wrote a little bit about it. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, you people don't have a clue what the hell you're doing. It was just, you know, they just. You know, I was I was reading their their bios and it's 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 like Sharon said it's like a couple of kids were like hey this will be cool let's go do this I'm like have you do you know what do do you speak the language do you, do you even know what language yeah. they speak in Congo uh, have you been to Africa do you do you have a big enough net what the hell are you doing and yeah. have you have you rented and watched the movie Congo have you... <laughs> exactly so there was even a that much money though. 
Well, it sounded like a great idea. I think that, you know, people thought it was a great idea and they, they had the same uh, delusions as, as yeah. they did. Yeah. There, there was also rumor that they, they didn't get the permits they needed or whatever, but the bribes, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The yeah, bribes. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, to, to be fair, I mean, there, there have been expeditions to, to, you know, for Mokelembembe, you know, Royal Mike, Royal Mackle did a couple and things like that. And the difference is that, is that, you know, they, they were, he was well-funded and, and they'd, they'd actually been in Africa before and they, they had at least some vague prayer <laughs> of, of doing what they set out to accomplish uh, and including having some actual expertise, uh, unlike this gang. And planning, yeah. 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 For more about Makila Babimbe, you can go back and listen to our interview with Don Prothero. <laughs> that was great. It was. It was. Uh, Don, Don does not hold back. No. Um, <laughs> so uh, 2012, uh, obviously a great year for Nessie. No. What? No, she didn't show up very often. Sightings were down, it seemed, and the people on the lock were getting a little worried. Gee, she's not showing up, and that's not good, because when she does show up, then more people come to the lock and look for her. Mm -hmm. Um, So this strange photo appeared in August, by, and it was done by George Edwards, who runs, uh, I think, like a boating service on the lake. And... The picture was very odd. You just looked at the picture. It didn't look like an animal. It didn't look like it was moving or it didn't look like it was swimming correctly. And it was just sort of a hump coming out of the water. And you could see her car- cap- castle in the background and stuff. And about a week later or so, not that many days later, a, a picture surfaced of George Edwards actually tr- pulling this hump, fiberglass hump, on his boat. <laughs> and... Uh, turned out that uh, somebody, Steve Feltham, uh, who, who w- uh, works at the lock, I'm not sure exactly what he does, but he's a researcher there, and he says, uh, yeah, that's the fiberglass hump we built about 10 years ago, and it was used in a documentary about the lock, and George Edwards knew about it. He had worked with it. He, he helped with the documentary. Funny this picture should show up. Meanwhile, Edwards had this story about authenticating the picture here in the U.S., that he sent to military experts. I don't know why our military experts would be experts on lake monsters <laughs> from Scotland, but he, why he thought that that added credibility to the story. And the best part was like what he was once quoted in, in the newspaper about it. Um, he says uh, that Mr. Feltham was entitled to his opinion about, you know, what the, the, the picture represented and said that people who make their livelihoods from the lock should be happy it's in the news Hmm. that line right Mm -hmm. there told me everything i needed to know that the edwards was intent on getting some attention and he succeeded Uh Mm -hmm. hoax or not Mm. as i recall part of the story was that that the he had actually been selling postcards of that image uh like right. months earlier before before it even allegedly you know came out so we're like well that's odd you've had it for a while now hmm curious yeah very shrewd i don't know how people think we won't figure that out eventually i guess a lot don't yeah that's true they don't look that far you know and and Again, maybe people didn't realize that that photo was actually, they actually came up with a, an explanation for it because all they remember seeing was the picture in the Daily Mail. 
Well, that actually leads to an, uh, another issue, another thing that came up in the field of cryptozoology and cryptozoological organizations this year, which is that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Dr. Carl Schuker uh, issued the first actual new journal of cryptozoology in years and years. Mm. Yes, I have a copy. Why don't you tell us about it, Blake? Um, it is in a compact format, has a nice cover, and the article's uh, after a cursory uh, look, uh, looked wonderful, and I wish I could say I've read it. I have not had time because I just got it uh, about a week ago, two weeks ago, maybe. And uh, but it's at the very top of my must-read pile. Well, I, I've read it. I mean, I can. I was. I wasn't trying to put you on the spot, but uh, <laughs> like, no, <laughs> I have not read it. Uh, I, it's got a leopard on the front, if I remember correctly. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a little zeal on it. No, I mean the, the only reason that I think it's 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 worthy of note is again that you know uh, Carl Schuker is a zoologist and he is he's one of the eminent uh, cryptozoologists, certainly the science based ones in the world. And um, it's kind of refreshing to see a, a reasonably science based um, publication for that. So um, I, I certainly wish yeah. it the best of luck. And we have uh, two previous Monster Talk guests are on the review board, if I remember correctly. Uh, mm-hmm. Darren Nash and David Waldron, I believe. Oh, nice. That sounds right. Very so. cool. It's a king, che- king cheetah on the cover, isn't it? Not a leopard? It's a spotted cat. I don't <laughs> <laughs> It's a feline of some sort. That was the king cheetah. There's actually, the, I did read the intro and explained why the image was uh, selected to represent the magazine. All right, Sharon. So tell me about these local terrors. What's this section about? Oh, well, this is sort of the hodgepodge section. Oh, it's the potpourri of terror. Yes, okay. it was. It's, it's you know, your local neighborhood monsters. And over the year, I collected these stories that, that came out of India or Africa or uh, even in the U.S. There was a couple or, or one in, in Mexico where we had these um, strange creatures uh, were were said to have appeared and caused havoc. So we had... A real creature, real monster, was that a man-eating leopard in Nepal that actually killed 15 people. And I don't know how that turned out, but I mean, that's a real-life monster, you know, hearkening back to the the wolf tales of of an animal actually finding it easier to kill and eat people than than find any other food. So that was that was kind of scary. Yeah. And and then we had uh, a chupacabra incident in Mexico where the sheep deaths were blamed on this mystery monster. Uh, that story just did not pan out. I mean, I, I saw the video and and Ben, do you you remember that? I think you wrote on that too. Yeah, I wrote a little bit about that. Yeah, this was uh, <laughs> some. Yeah, one still, one animal was dead pretty much. Right. right. I mean, they they made it sound like you know like. Hundreds of sheep were found eviscerated and every drop of blood, blah, blah, blah. And, and there's like, oh, like, yeah, look, there's one dead sheep. Probably yeah. died of a heart attack. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Nothing to see That's, here. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and the, the, in Namibia, they had a magic creature, uh, black magic creature scaring oh, the village. Yeah. That's right. And the Aswang. Aswang in the Philippines. <laughs> you said Some, Wang. I know. It was... Some ghoul, they call it, uh, sort of like a vampire-type creature. And they had to have the archbishop come in and says, look, it's, it's not real. Don't worry. Don't freak out, people. It's just a story. 
And and in Mumbai, you had the same issue. People are scared of these creatures roaming in the night, and they attribute it to these magical, supernatural beings. And I'm not sure what it is, if it's uh, people going around actually robbing uh, the houses or, or terrorizing mm-hmm. the people on purpose or, or what, but it really scares the people in, in these villages and they happen sometimes, I guess, to be superstitious enough to buy into this uh, folklore story that there's something evil this way comes. But And then the goblins in Zimbabwe was the same thing. The, the goblins, and I'm not sure if their goblins are the same as what we think about as goblins, but sort of evil creatures that go into your houses and set fires and cause disease and, and, and possess oh, children. people. Well, it was funny because the one story about the goblins in Zimbabwe, they were attributing these house fires to this goblin. This one family would be pelted with stones, dirt was thrown into their food as they were cooking it, and then fires would be lit in the houses. And they were always happened around this one 16-year-old member of the family that he would Mm. walk into the house and then he would run out of the house saying, there's a fire. Well, it's a poltergeist. It was very poltergeist-like, yes. Mm. And so, but they do believe. Not only do they believe in goblins in that area, I guess, but they also believe in mermaids. They that caused some trouble in Zimbabwe as well. They were building a dam, and the men said, "Oh, there's mermaids there. I'm not going near the water." And they had to have a beer ceremony to appease them. Yes, <laughs> no that's lie. very important. Needs I've, to try that one. <laughs> I've done that myself. Um, you know, it's interesting. I mean, Africa is a huge continent. And it's got uh, an amazing diversity of people and cultures and religions. But so many horrifying stories of superstition-related death and tragedy comes out of that place. It's amazing to me. The Um, witchcraft. The witchcraft. um, You know, people uh, um, uh, doing, um, what do you, like, sympathetic magic where they kill animals to uh, get their power. People killing albino people. Right, the their power. murders. Yeah, it's just uh, uh, people killing homosexuals. People, it's just, it's it's just uh, there's it's the whole continent gets a bad rap because of superstition, and it's not. Yeah. I mean, it's probably not really fair. I don't know how widespread those activities are, but it only takes one or two, uh, you know, uh, magic based killings to really ruin the whole, you know, reputation of your continent. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that is uh, is centered around East Africa primarily, um, not really S- Saharan Africa. I mean, interestingly, if you if you look at some of the stories that come out of you know Mali or Libya or Chad, uh, they don't they don't really have the sorts of you know, beliefs and and you know quite as strong witchcraft beliefs as you see in in Angola well, that, and it's Zimbabwe. Because they're Islamic and instead of animistic, though, right? Isn't that- <laughs> Well, well, that's part of it. Although, well, they but they have different. I mean, what you find coming out of places like like Morocco and Libya are uh, more genie based and jinn things like that. So you have you have more Quran based uh, entities and monsters and specters. Yeah, they still have plenty of superstition, but I guess it's it's uh, it takes a different framework. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. And it's, another thing we saw was some of those uh, people who left. And came to, like, the UK, brought those superstitions with them, and they exactly. ended up with these beliefs living in the UK and actually torturing children and, you know, uh, a, torturing, a young boy uh, died. Which, which children and killing a, a child, yeah. Yeah, more, more than one child. in the States, too. 
Yeah. Ex- exorcism yeah. deaths, yeah. Exorcism deaths, yeah. There was a number of those. But I want to know about the giant eyeball. That was my favorite story of the year. <laughs> Let's put a lid on that one. No. Oh, he meant eyeball lid. Courtesy laugh. Oh, fine. No. There was a lot of good jokes about that one. It was, it was, it was, you know, the target for for easy good jokes on that one. But yeah, the giant eyeball was like my favorite story again because you knew it would have an eventual answer, and the answer could be really cool, like Cthulhu or. <laughs> giant squid or some new animal that we didn't know about but it ended up being um oh so yeah just give it a little framework because we just suddenly right. started talking about a giant eyeball it's good enough yeah it washed up okay washed up on pompano beach florida and i guess people walking along the beach you know eyed it up and Picked it up and luckily gave it to the right people and they put it on ice and it was shipped away to be studied. But actually when the story first came out, so the, the, one of the first stories that came out, it, it was suggested that it was not a squid eye. That the way that they could look at it, same like we talked about with the teeth and the feet, there are some, uh, some distinguishing features of an eye that you could tell whether probably came from a cephalopod or a fish or a mammal. And in this case, they were pretty sure it had come from a fish, a deep sea fish that needed very large eyes to see in dark water. So they they speculated about what it was and then they actually did send it away and they figured out that it was from a swordfish, that it had been cut out of the swordfish with a knife and probably discarded in the water. And so it floated onto the the, the beach and, and was pretty quickly picked up because it, 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 it normally would not have lasted very long. As, as monstrous things go, this is actually a really pretty eye. I mean, it's, it's got that really beautiful bluish gray. I, I don't know if you think it's beautiful. Maybe I'm just weird, but I, I think it looks cool. <laughs> it, it, was, it was great visuals for that story, yeah. You think it was Hal? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Um, big cats. Yeah. People were seeing lions and tigers uh, where they shouldn't be. These out of place animals that, that I, I can't pronounce that town in Washington. Can you? The tiger one? Puyall up. Is that how you pronounce it? That's how I pronounce it, but that's not right. Probably. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Pee all up. Yeah, something like that. I'm pretty sure like it's that. not that. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, the, the way the story came out, it was like two independent witnesses saw a Bengal tiger walking down this rural road. And it caused, instead of panic, it caused everybody to come and start looking for it. <laughs> so you had all these trucks, pickup trucks, people in the back of their trucks looking for this animal, and it, they never found a thing. So what did these two people see? A tiger is pretty distinctive. So end of story. That's that nothing happened. Then uh, in August, we had a similar story come out in Essex in the UK where they said these people uh, said that they looked at their window and they saw this large cat in a field and it looked like a lion. And they told their neighbor and their neighbor said, oh, yeah, I saw that too. It looks like a lion. And then. It just it blew up into this media sensation, and 
it turned out there was there was fake pictures being uh, distributed by the Daily Mail. There were um, uh, actual zoologists that were out looking for it. They said, "No, really, we all all our zoos have their uh, accounted numbers of lions here. There's no escaping a lion that we think is is out there." It turned out to be um, somebody's cat. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Domestic cat. Uh, I think when we, ha- in fact, this, uh, ironically, when we were going to have Darren Nash on um, for this roundup, and I'm really glad you could make it, Sharon, on such short notice. Uh, Darren's one of his favorite topics is uh, these alien big cats. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think when he was here last time, he suggested that he was pretty sure that there was at least one alien species, not from another planet, but just a misplaced species that had taken up residence in the UK. But these uh, these big cat reports um, are all the time, I and mean, people are always seeing cats. Um, I think just, their house cats grow really large. Though. Well, it, 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 that's the other thing is people just don't understand how easy it is to misjudge the size of, of something. And if you see an all black cat, um, and it, it's stalking an animal. If that cat looks a lot like a big cat, I mean, you know, unless you're trained to notice the ears look different and the tail looks different. I mean, in in other ways, they do look very similar. Domesticated cats did come from more aggressive, larger, (laughs) less domestic breeds. Mm -hmm. So they have the same kind of structure in a lot of ways to the untrained eye. Yeah, um, and it it could be if they're seeing them against some vegetation. The vegetation is not necessarily as big as it appears, so the cat looks yeah. larger. Or it right exactly, and it, but it is easy to make that mistake. It, it, mm-hmm. You know, and there were a couple stories like that. There, there were there were other ones where the cat was in the garden and people got a little freaked out about it. Took the picture and then later realized after they'd called the news. And said, "There's a big cat in our yard." And then ha- this happened to be, I think, in Washington State, where there actually are uh, mountain lions. Mm-hmm. And that's what they thought was in their yard, and it turned out to be the neighbor's cat. But they were—it was in their backyard, but yet they messed up on the size. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. Another thing is, as as Sharon mentioned, there were there were uh, several hoax photos that were going around, either of actual lions, but <laughs> taken, you know, either in a zoo or in a game park, and that were you know said to be in the in in the countryside, or or just you know Photoshop stuff. Um, but you know, sometimes what you can do is if you, you know, if you take a photo of something, and especially with uh, today's high resolution uh, cameras and and stuff, you can you know what they'll print is they'll print the, this cropped image of the cat that makes it look big in the frame but if you if you see the whole frame it's tiny it's you know so they're of course they're zooming in to 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 get the most detail but um but you know the lack of context uh, makes it as you point out just impossible to know the size yeah. well we're running out of time <laughs> so uh, let's quickly touch up on these last two topics you have outlaid here. Um, uh, yeah, well, the thylacine video went around a little bit. Uh, that was it was actually a nice video. It was sort of nostalgic, you know. Oh, look at this beautiful thylacine. It's missing. Uh, we miss it. You know, it's gone. It's extinct. And isn't that awful? But maybe this one's real. And it turned out it wasn't. It was. It was a hoax. I don't know if it was promoting the movie, The Hunter, that was going around at the time. I think it was. About the thylacine hunter, mm-hmm. uh, so that that could have been related to that, but yeah, this this final story I thought was fantastic. 
vampire in Serbia. Mm-hmm. Not only a vampire, it was sort of like the ghost of a vampire. And he yeah. turned into a butterfly instead of a bat. <laughs> it was just great. It was a great story. And then he had his own website and his own Twitter account. And he was photobombing things. And it was... <laughs> it was <laughs> so did you get a sense... Okay, so in this, this place, if I remember correctly, this was the one where... There was a local legend that this building had housed a vampire at one point. Correct. This this man named Sava Savanovich uh, lived in this uh, former water mill. And people were always afraid to go to the mill because he would grab you and, and, and kill you. And one day the old mill building collapsed and the rumor was that Sava was now looking for a new home so he was a threat to the nearby villages and people started hearing things in the woods footsteps and there was actually I'm trying to think because it's it's in the Balkans they have very strong vampire legends there and they uh, originated in Serbia didn't they with that unpale Right. And I'm not sure if they still believe it or they just enjoy it. That's what I was trying to figure out. And yeah, I couldn't from what I was reading. Yeah, it it definitely had strong elements of folklore. If you were an adult, it would be the kind of thing you would tell your kids to scare them. So I I just am curious, like, is this is this something that adults tell their children uh, to scare them? Or is this something that people really take seriously? I'd heard stories they were giving out wooden crosses. But I didn't right. know if that was in, uh, to like you know is that a is that just something they made up is that real or is it for for you know tourism? I, I, I got a I had a very strong feeling that this was tourism related. Yeah, I wonder if it's like the Popobawa. Hey Ben. <laughs> yeah, it certainly could be right along those lines. <laughs> that they that they did want to capitalize on this story and bring people into this poor village that didn't really yeah. have anything else going for it. But mm-hmm. why not bring them in with a good story? And we see that all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's becoming more and more common. Invent a paranormal story if you have to, or capitalize on one that already exists. And you build it, and people will come. Mm-hmm. Well, that seems to be true. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Much like a brothel. Yeah, I, you know, I, I it's it's probably not fair that that you know that ghost hunters and, and monster hunters get all the um, the great tourist trips. We we you know I know they do like some skeptical cruises and stuff where they go to the Bermuda Triangle, but it seems like some um, monster hunting trips to Europe should be in order, and that they really ought to take some <coughs> monster talk people, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> along with them. Uh, yeah. that, that would be fun. Um, so that's 2012 in a nutshell. Sharon, I just want to say that I, I've been really impressed with how you've, you've taken this monster news and, and paranormal news um, and done such a great job of, of giving a, a skeptical voice to uh, these stories. It's just been really nice to, Thank to you. watch. Very needed. Yeah, very much needed. And your site looks great. And, and, and I feel like I never get to beat you to a story. So that's... Uh, <laughs> You've she's got, amazing. Well, she's got. I'm sure you've got some uh, really great Google alerts and uh, some really great readers who submit stuff to you. So uh. often it's looking at the sites that nobody else looks at, because mm. there are a lot of paranormal sites, and they will treat these stories as face at face value. 
And it just raises all these red flags with people who just think a little bit about them. There's something else going on here. And that's what makes them fun to look at what else is going on. Well, you're doing good work, you and Torkel both. So, oh, he says hi. <laughs> oh, hi, Torkel. <laughs> hey there. <laughs> Yeah, we have we have a lot of fun with these stories. Yeah, I, I, we would have had him on too, but then we'd have ended up talking about wrestling the whole time. So that's no good. That's <laughs> be true. Yes. <laughs> I will keep up the great work for 2013. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. And we'll try to do better ourselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Room for improvement. Well, happy New Year from Monster Talk uh, and Doubtful News. Yeah, happy that's New Year. year. Yeah. Monster Talk. Thanks for listening to another episode of Monster Talk. You've just heard a recap of Monster News from 2012. Thankfully, the world didn't end, and we can look forward to another year of monsters and weirdness. Hopefully, you'll come back and hear us talk about more. 2013 will have more zombies, more shapeshifters, more magical mysteries to uncover. Thanks again to everyone who's contributed to our transcript program. Be sure to go to monstertalk.org or skeptic.com to see the transcripts of previous shows. Got a favorite monster you want us to talk about? Send us an email or come talk to us on the Monster Talk Facebook group. They're a lively bunch and hardly bite at all. This show is produced with the amazing support of the good folks at Skeptic Magazine. I want to give a special thanks to William Bull, the tireless webmaster who helps us get each show ready every time that we manage to squeeze one out. He's an unsung hero, but some talented filk singer will probably fix that someday. The opinions expressed on this show, while totally awesome, are not necessarily the opinions of the Skeptic Society or Skeptic Magazine. Speaking of which, would you like to know what the actual opinions of the Skeptic Society or Skeptic Magazine are? Why not subscribe to Skeptic Magazine or eSkeptic today? Monster Talk theme music is by Peach Stealing Monkeys, and this next little tune is by Jelly. See you in 2013. Did you know that you can now subscribe to Skeptic Magazine digitally? Just grab our free Skeptic Magazine app, currently compatible with iOS, Android, PC, Mac, Kindle Fire, Kindle Fire HD, and BlackBerry Playbook. Head over to skeptic.com magazine app to find out more and download more of your favorite Skeptic content. I have a subduction theory of memory. <laughs> That our, our memories you, you, you are buy like... buy your memory some wine and maybe play some jazz? Subduction. No, subduction. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs>